What's going on everyone? Welcome back to Rogue Opinions. My name is Nathan and we're branching out a little bit today into the world of, of tennis. Uh, my doubles partner for this podcast is Carl Pierce. How you doing Carl? I'm all right, yeah. Uh, this is our first podcast together for quite some time, I believe. It It is, it is. We decided to take a break from each other after Life is Strange. And yeah. like two years later, we, we thought we'd give it another go. We, we needed time apart. Yeah. <laughs> we got to reconcile. <laughs> That's it. And, uh, so yeah, we're going to be talking Wimbledon 2021. And we're, we're both varying degrees of tennis fan. Carl, what sort of tennis fan would you say you are? Give the listeners an idea of, of where you're coming from on this. Well, not probably not as big as you, and probably not the sort of level of knowledge that yourself has. But I have been watching tennis as long as I can remember, especially uh, Wimbledon. I go back to uh, probably the early '90s when Sampras was coming through and started to dominate. That's a good. That's a good era. A very but, good era. Yeah, but mostly, mostly Wimbledon. Uh, it wasn't until I was sort of late 20s i started watching some of the other majors uh, like the french open us open um and and the others but so it's, it's kind of a it is more of a casual interest i love watching the majors but I, I don't tend to watch the the smaller tournaments unless it's uh unless i catch it by accident there's someone i really want to watch playing that's fair enough i'm uh, quite a big tennis fan and have been for for a long time so i tried to keep up on, on the on both the atp and wta tours as they go obviously there's so much it's pretty much 51 weeks of the year now so it's tough to keep up with everything but i've been watching i've played tennis and uh yeah but we're just gonna jump right into wimbledon 2021 uh we're gonna start with the men's side first uh i think and it was quite a sort of there was a lot of accidental storylines coming into coming into this this tournament obviously you had Djokovic as the number one seed he was coming to the tournament on 19 grand slams and uh his his uh, competitors for this era Nadal and Federer both on 20 so you had that you also had Federer himself coming in as the sixth seed this time 39 years of age they're not far away from from 40 kind of potentially his last one you don't ever want to rule out someone like Federer and then, as always, it seems to be the case, you got the, the quote-unquote next generation, which seemed to be about the fourth next generation that, that have tried to topple <laughs> yeah. these absolute titans of, of the sport. But people like uh, our boy Medvedev, you, you had Stefanov, you had Zarev, people like that. And then the actual gentleman that made the, the final himself, Matteo Berrettini, uh in there as well so it it had all the makings of an interesting Wimbledon and I think it it did actually end up playing out that way um it it was reasonably interesting with some shock results here and there but I've I've always felt since Sunday that Djokovic kind of won it a canter really I know a few players put him under a bit of pressure but I don't know. You, you never really felt it was really, really troubled, did you? And, unless you disagree. I don't disagree. I think the final was really the closest we came to seeing Djokovic in trouble. For Djokovic dropped two sets uh, the entire tournament. The very first set, 
that he played of the tournament, which was against a uh, British wildcard Jack Draper, uh, which he lost the first set of that uh, 6-4 before going on to just, as you say, at a canter 6-1, 6-2, 6-2 to kind of turn that around. And after that, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying, oh, no, he, did, he played, he only played two tie breaks. <laughs> no, never mind not dropping a set. And to get to the <laughs> final, he only ended up getting taken to a tie break twice, once against uh, Dennis Kudler in the third round. And then obviously the, sem- the semi-final, the first set against Shapovalov, uh, the Canadian. So, yeah, I mean, Djokovic is on a tear this year. For those that don't know, he's he also won Australia. He also won the French. He he did the impossible over there of beating Rafael Nadal uh, on centre court of the French Open. Yeah, from two sets behind as well. I mean, it just shows you how it's resolved, doesn't it, really? It's the level, yeah. Yeah, and he won that final, as you say, after, despite going two sets down. And it's just ridiculous that the level that he's that he's playing at and he he obviously were going to win the tournament uh he did drop another set the first set on a tiebreaker uh which berrettini did absolutely incredible just to win that sex he was five two down in it yeah and uh he never really got in touch and distance again and i don't know i kind of got the feeling it took everything he had just to win that first set he really didn't, and he and he had to. Everyone was saying it like you don't want to fall behind against Novak Djokovic. Like there's this thing in tennis of people just being incredible front runners, and that you got three of the greatest of all time in this era: Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer. You do not really want to go behind uh, against any of them because they just keep going almost robotically uh, at times. Hundred percent, and even when you think you've got them on the ropes, like. You're playing against their serve, and you can be 30 or 40 love up. And then next thing you know, you're at juice because they've sprang a couple of aces out of nowhere, and they've uh, they've held serve. You know, you know, you, it must be so sort of um, oh, just demoralizing. For? Demoralizing, yeah. yeah. When you think you've got them where you want them, and then they've got you where they want you, basically. <laughs> Yeah, and before we get on to talking about uh, someone else, like maybe uh, obviously with Andy Murray back in this tournament as well, someone I've not even mentioned yet, that's how much, how much has kind of happened at this tournament. But just Djokovic, just, he, he's absolutely unstoppable. And I know for various reasons, he's not the most popular man in the world. Uh, outside, he's not sort of as, as lovable, nor does he try to be as Federer and Nadal tend to be. He he's just he's just he's like I say he's like the Terminator at times. He just keeps on going and going and he's setting record after record. You you're heading into this year's US Open with Federer, Nadal and Djokovic all likely to play all on twenty grand slams. It's just yeah. it's scary. It's crazy, but I don't know I don't know what Nadal will be like now after he's been rested, because he's he obviously he missed, pulled out of Wimbledon. He's he's not going to the Olympics, which is looking more and more like a great decision. <laughs> the more year, what's going on over in uh, Japan? Anyone's going to the Olympics, to be honest. <laughs> like, there's not a lot of people left, and that's a completely different mm. thing to talk about. But <sighs> but, but he, he pulled. I mean, he announced he wasn't going before. 
swings started getting more out of control there anyway. And Federer, he, Federer, I know he's come back from a lot of time off, but he didn't look the same sort of player. Uh, I mean, losing the last final set um, against uh, what was his what was his opponent's name again? Um, what Wimbledon? Yeah, and Matteo he lost Berrettini. The, he lost the set um, six love, didn't he? Oh, so Federer. Oh, you're yeah. talking about Federer. Yeah, Hu- yeah. Uh, Hubert Hercas. That's it, Hubert Hercas. Um, I mean, that's so unlike Federer. You know, he's always so supreme on grass. Um, so, I mean, it just looks to me like, Djokovic, you know, there's, there's nobody to stand in Djokovic's way at the moment. There isn't. He's absolutely healthy and firing on, on all cylinders at the minute. And Novak Djokovic... As I say, he's not the most popular figure in tennis, but he's got the most weeks at number one uh, right now. He's got the joint most Masters 1000 titles right now. He's the first player to win all all the Grand Slams twice, something the Dow and Federer have never done. The Dow's only got one US Open, Federer's, I say only, the Dow's got one US Open, Federer's got one uh, French Open, sorry, the Dow's got one Australian Open. Plus, Federer's only got one French Open, but Djokovic has at least two of them all. Hmm. And <laughs> then he's won... Some real, isn't it? Yep, he's won eight of his 20 Grand Slams after the age of 30. Uh, and he, he's also he's joint with Ivan Lendo and Pete Sampras uh, on the amount of end-of-season uh, titles that he's won. And it's just... It just keeps going. Like you can you can sit we could sit here all day and just list off the achievements and there's a real argument at this point that the debate is settled and that he might be the greatest of all time. That it's definitely he's definitely in the conversation for that. And if he wins um another three or four majors, he might even win another ten, to be honest, if he wants to go on what is he thirty four now? If he wants to carry on until he's forty, yeah. I, I think he could easily Easily get another ten, and that's someone, someone comes out of nowhere uh, that's really, really good. But that doesn't look likely at the minute. It doesn't, and there's some absolutely fantastic players uh, playing at the minute. There's there's a lot of people looking around, just saying, "Oh, well, there's no competition for Djokovic at, at the moment." Like on the men's side, there's a real lack in standard. I don't think there is a lack in standard. I think it's just that this guy. Mm. is that much more resilient than everyone. We saw it in the semi-final against uh, Shapovalov. Djokovic, the most insane thing about that is I don't think Djokovic played particularly fantastic. No, it's he like... The game. Um, he was, mm. Shapovalov was going all guns blazing, everything. He played a sensational match. But the difference between being uh, the 10th seed and the 1st seed is that Djokovic just won every key point. Yeah, and Becker made the point, Boris Becker on commentary, because he used to coach Djokovic for a bit. He's, he plays it very business-like, Becker was saying. that He, he sort of does just enough in matches to, to get over the line, trying to conserve as much energy as possible for when he really needs to you know, bring out the big guns, so to speak. He's always got that next gear. And that's mm. the frightening thing about him is that, again, as you said, you might feel like you got him on the ropes and then he just turns it on. He just goes from fourth to fifth and all of a sudden you've you've lost a set. And we saw it with 
in the Berrettini match in the final. Mm. Berrettini won that tiebreaker, went one up. Everyone was like, oh, this is going to get interesting. And as quick as anything, Djokovic will suddenly free love up in the second. And then it was just like Berrettini gave it everything. He actually played pretty damn well. But after really that first did. set, he didn't get anything. Like he got a couple of breaks back here and there, and then he just would drop serve again. Um, Berrettini's only 25, so he can get a lot better. And I do see him winning a major in his future. Uh, I also put out Medvedev, who's sort of we sort of support after watching him in the US Open final, wasn't it? Uh, that's that's his best surface. So I I think he might be able to trouble he might be able to trouble Djokovic a, a bit more and do a bit better in the US Open that he did at Wimbledon. Although he has improved, I mean, he, he showed, he, you know, he's really improved on both grass and clay, because normally he goes out in both of those tournaments quite early on, but he, he, he got he got quite far in both for, for his standards. So he's he, constantly improving as well. He is, yeah, and Medvedev's slightly younger, but yeah, to make, he, he made the fourth round this year losing to, to Herkas, who would obviously go on to conquer Federer. Mm. Uh, but and he even came back from two sets to love down in the third round against Marin Cilic, uh, who's reached the Wimbledon final and is a Grand Slam champion himself, winning the US Open one year. And uh, but now, if he played Djokovic at Wimbledon, I don't think I'd fancy his chances. But enough about Djokovic. Let's move on to to Mr. Andy Murray, uh, metal hip and all. Yeah, it was fantastic just to see Murray back out there. He's obviously had a, a torrid time with various hip surgeries. They said he's got a metal hip. He then had a couple of other issues that keep cropping up. And he's had a real bad run of it. But to come back out of nowhere after only playing really a handful of matches in the last three or four years, and to be back out on centre court after four years since the last time he played on Wimbledon to reach the third round. I thought it was pretty damn impressive. Yes, same here. I mean, he's he's really struggled the last few years, hasn't he? And um, yeah, he played remarkably well in some of the matches. To be fair to him, and he, I don't think he's ever got the, the sort of credit he deserves when he, you know, when he was um, playing at his best because he, he seemed to beat everybody else. And then struggle, only struggle against Djokovic and Nadal's and Federer's, because who wasn't? He never quite broke into the same level as those three, but he was only, only felt like he was a couple of steps behind, if that makes sense. And he did very well to squeeze a couple of, a couple of majors in, in, in such a dominant era, era for those three. He didn't, and he's beat, as you say, he's, He's, he's beaten everybody in his career. There's no one he, Murray hasn't mm. beaten, really. I know there'll probably be a couple of random players that have a good, a positive record against Murray, but leave me alone. Uh, but, yeah, the only who's the only man to beat Novak Djokovic in a Wimbledon final? It's Andy Murray. Exactly. So he's done it. And, yeah, he's won two Wimbledon titles uh, himself. He obviously won the US Open. He's got two Olympic golds. He's been in the final of every Grand Slam. Uh, he's he's an absolute legend. And look, if he was in any other era, we'd be talking about someone who's probably got double figures of Grand Slams. But unfortunately for him, he, he's he's not. And maybe he would say it's not unfortunate because he's got to he's got to be about half a step behind three of the greatest ever players. 
He was he was world number one for a brief period, wasn't he? If I remember correctly, oh, it was more than brief. He was he was year end number one uh, mm. at one point, and he he had it for he had it for a good chunk of time. Like so, yeah, he's he's been number one. He's won multiple Grand Slams. He's won every trophy. He's won. He's he's kind of the king of queens, uh, given how many times he's won that. And yeah, to go out there like in the first round, he played um, Nikolaus Basilashvili. So I can never say this one, <laughs> Basilashvili, or whatever they, who beat Federer earlier this season, and uh, on his way to Dubai title, I think I don't remember now. And uh, yeah, he, and he, he beat him. He was the 24th seed. He then faced a qualifier, uh, the German Oscar Otti, in the second round and had to come back from two sets to one down. And then Shapovalov had an outstanding tournament. Uh, we've already just spoken about the semi-final we played against Djokovic. And yeah, he did beat Murray. But they, on the surface, the score looks like he did it quite easy. But I don't think that's quite true. I think Murray did did play pretty damn well. So hopefully it's not the last time we see him at Wimbledon. No, yeah, hopefully he'll come back. Um, it does look like his, his days as a title contender are, are over, unfortunately. But you can't rule anything out. No, not when you're talking about some some great champions out there. And unfortunately with tennis, it's such a demanding sport. There's so much complicated movement involved in it that everyone's bodies tend to give up on them at some point for the most part and uh, Djokovic being the exception apparently um, because even though you've got Federer who's obviously battling time as well as he's had, he's had two hip surgeries Nadal's always had a few issues with his knees here and there over his career uh, but so again Djokovic just the pure exception yeah, he, he, as you say, he is like a Terminator and he just keeps on going and keeps on going. And uh, it's going to be intriguing to see um, how many titles he can win. Um, yeah, if anyone can come along and put him in his place. Yeah, let's, let's, you know, let's hope that they do because it'd be good to get some new contenders out there. Uh, but someone else I'd like to talk about on the British interest front is Cameron Norrie. Yeah, he's been actually he's had an excellent season, hasn't he? He has had an excellent season and he's not quite won a title yet, but the guy was joint I think he had the most wins on tour for a while. Uh, this season he's mm. reached three finals this year. Now he's lost them all. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's taken some top players to stop him. Like he he reached a final of Estoril uh, in Portugal on clay, where he lost to Albert Ramos Vinolas, who's an excellent clay court player. Uh, and, and, an Englishman losing a final. That, that yeah. just doesn't, doesn't sound right, Nathan. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> he, then, he then reached a final of Leon, also on clay. He had to, it took Stefanov, um, Stefanos Tissipas to, to stop him there, obviously the Greek uh, top tenor. And then well, something that will give flashbacks to last night, because he did obviously reach the final of Queens this year, where he lost to the Italian, Matteo Berrettini. <laughs> so. Damn it! Who's damn Italian? <laughs> there is, so he's had an outstanding season, and to reach the final of Queens is it's a big achievement. It shows his pedigree, and it took, it took Mr. Federer to stop him, who I think we'll move on to now. Uh, Roger just before Federer. yeah, good Federer. Tissa Pass, being you just mentioned him. Was that you know a bit more about 
um, tennis than I do. Was that a surprise that he went out so early in Wimbledon, or or did that not shock you? Because he got to the he got to the final of the French Open, and people were expecting him to to do reasonably well at Wimbledon, weren't they? But it just didn't happen for him. He he's an excellent clay court player, uh, Tissipas. And it is a very quick turnaround, as everyone... I sound like I'm just going to be making excuses for him for a second, but hold on for a, for a moment, guys. It's a very quick turnaround from clay to grass. It's incredibly difficult. Clay is obviously traditionally very slow. You get the big looping shots. You really have to hit through the ball. Um, the serve is not necessarily as uh, as much of a weapon on clay as it can be. Obviously, there's exceptions to that. And then grass is very quick. Uh, quite much... quite slippy. We had quite a few people quite slipping sli- over. Yes, in, uh, quite slippy. Week, didn't we? we we did we did, and he came up against uh, Francis uh, Tiafo, the American, who's a fantastic a fantastic player, very fiery, very inconsistent. I think would be fair to say to him as well. He's a, he's a young guy. I think he's only twenty three or twenty four, so he's got time on his hands as well. So, but to actually answer your question. I was surprised that he he went out so easily. Like he went down in straight sets, four, four, and three, and which doesn't look great. But I think he might have just been burnt out. The first Grand Slam mm. final, because he, he looked like he looked like he had Djokovic on the ropes for a little bit, didn't he? In the well, he went to in the final, like, but it all just fell apart for him. But you said he can be a bit inconsistent. Uh, like that when I when I sort of brought it up to you there. So uh... he can be a, he can be a touch like, and I think the occasion probably got to him. He went two sets to love up, and he was playing pretty much perfect tennis. Mm. This is the French Open final I'm all about, and then uh, Djokovic, as he does, just came back and came back. So maybe that just knocked the wind out of him a little bit, and then it's only really a three week turnaround, and all of a sudden you're at Wimbledon on a completely different surface. So. I think it probably just got the best of him and yeah. he maybe wasn't in the right head uh, headspace. I could be, I'm not saying this is a fact. I'm just, I'm just kind of spitballing a little bit. So maybe he just wasn't quite clued in after such kind of a crushing defeat in a grand slam final to go two sets to love up and then just have Djokovic just take it away from you. Like he's so close, like two sets to love up. He, he had one hand on that trophy. Yeah, it, it it must be so demoralising. I mean, I think Djokovic's reputation probably doesn't help because he, he he does have this habit of sort of reeling you back in and coming at you, and it, it maybe it just the ineffable. It feels like the ineffable's happening, and you kind of it's feel just, helpless against it when he starts. You've just never won until you win that last point. You've just never won. Because he needed it to Murray in the Wimbledon final, didn't he? Murray raced into a two-set lead, and he came back and won the next two sets, and Murray had to win it on the final set, didn't he? But that looked like Djokovic was going to snatch it from Murray's hands, didn't it, in, in that final, if I remember correctly? What, in the Wimbledon final? Yeah. Oh, he won. No, he won. He Murray, won. Won that. Murray won that in straight sets. Oh, did he? No, I must be thinking yeah. of a different match. <laughs> there was the um the, when he won the US Open. In that was it. Two thousand twelve. He went two sets to love up and just came back. So um I yeah, just getting myself mixed up. Yeah, no the, mate. <laughs> in the final set, actually, of that one, it, it was really impressive for Murray because um, Murray went to two tight uh, sets and 
to go two up Djokovic kind of pulled it back in pretty straightforward fashion and Murray just turned it on in that final set so I think he might have just outlasted Djokovic a little bit mm. there but no the Wimbledon one he won uh straight sets I can't remember the score off the top of my head but uh, yeah you are right I, I just I got I got my finals mixed up I do apologize <laughs> oh I forgive you I forgive you Murray has been in a few so <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh, but yeah, I was to bring it back to Tsitsipas. I think he'll be disappointed, and hopefully, he's, he's going to go away and kind of let get over that French Open final a little bit as much as he can. Use it to obviously motivate him, because uh, to be so close to a Grand Slam, it must hurt. Uh, but as we say, Murray lost his first, I think, four or five Grand Slam finals before he actually won one. So yeah. it's it's a big hurdle in tennis. And he only ever won them when um, Lendl was in his corner as well, didn't he? Which is yeah, interesting. Coach. Yeah, it was kind of a very a different Murray. That was kind of a good sort of three, four seasons of just mm. this very different motivated Murray. And now we're kind of seeing that that, that Andy Murray still, but I'll say he, he's, he knows what he's doing now. He knows how to play play the game. He, he looks motivated. I think I think if I had to try and guess, we will get one more high-level season from Andy Murray. I think he's still got it in him. He's looked after himself. Although some of the injuries have been bad, he seems to have gotten over them. Uh, so I think there's one more high-level run in him. I hope so. Yeah, yeah, so do I. But, uh, is there anyone else on the men's side you wanted to talk about? Uh, no, not really. I think we've uh, covered all the... All the main, all the main ones, um, as, as far as I can think of. And this is anyone you you fancy bringing up? Uh, I think just from British interest, Liam Brody had a good had a good tournament to get a, a win at Wimbledon, as he mm. did to get through the first round. He's someone that's kind of been around the British system for a while, but never really been able to get a breakthrough. And uh, to do that, he beat he actually beat an Italian car. Wow! In the first round, Cecchinato, <laughs> who reached the latter stage of the French Open a few seasons ago, so he's a good player. And uh, yeah, and I think Dan Evans, I think he reached the third round. He had a pretty decent tournament. I think though he might be a bit disappointed that he didn't go a little bit further because he's got a game, he's got kind of a style which is, just works perfectly on grass, and it just never every season it doesn't seem to quite come together for him. Yeah, I mean, and that's just like how big of an achievement it was for um, talking about Italians again, Matteo Bellatrini, because he's the first Italian male or female to reach a Wimbledon final. So, you know, it's a big step forward for the Italians in in tennis. On the men's side, yeah, they've always had uh, good good female players, and uh, but on the men's side, they've really struggled. Like Fabio Fognini has been a top ten player for them. Um, but he's he's never broken the ceiling and making the Grand Slam final, uh, which not a lot of players do. Like in in the hindsight of how many players mm. there are, we're we're on about a draw of 128 people here, and only two of them can ever reach the final, and that's before you include qualifying as well. So those rounds, there's a lot of people vying for those last two spaces. Uh, but I think the final thing on the men's side that I want to bring up before we do move over to the women's side is it's next year, Carl, will be 20 years since someone other than Djokovic, Nadal, Federer or Murray won Wimbledon. 
Wow, that's crazy. Is that is that Leighton Hewitt? Is that it? was Leighton Hewitt. It was the last mm. one to do it, and in in two thousand and two, and that's just it, it's it's crazy. Like the people about kind of domination in in certain sports when you got a sport that's as competitive as tennis always is to just have four people monopolizing it and for a large period of time that was Federer Nadal and Murray were really just the well I think they've got two each and then you just look at Djokovic who's now on six titles I think yeah. and then you've got sort of Nadal who's dominated the clay court for so long because he's um one was it 12 or 13 13 uh, it's mad in it Djokovic he's won is it the Australian Open he's won a lot of yeah I think he's won eight or nine Australian Opens now I mean it's crazy isn't it I mean they've pretty much dominated all the majors haven't they with the odd person here or there sneaking one in I think the US Open is really the only one that's mm. that's a grandstand that's quite open because it's at the end of the season so everyone's had a hard year so it tends to be because people tend to be a little bit more kind of worn out now that Federer's kind of stopped cleaning house on that but I I would bet uh, I'd bet my house that Djokovic does the calendar Grand Slam I think he will and he'll be the yeah. the first person since Steffi Graf well if he gets the Golden Slam as they call it net if, if he goes to if he goes to the Olympics which um, he seems to be at the moment then and I think he wants it change I think he wants it I think he wants it really bad because obviously Serena kind of had the Serena slam, which included an Olympic gold, but it wasn't calendar year. If you see what I mean, I think it was Wimbledon mm. round to the next Wimbledon with an Olympics in the middle. Um, but if Djokovic does, does this, does either the calendar grand slam or the golden calendar slam, it's probably the greatest achievement in men's tennis ever. Yeah, I think it will be too. I think the fact that it's never been done in the open era tells you how hard, like, and that's a lot of history for no one. And look, Federer's never done it, Nadal's never done it, uh, Sampras never did it, Agassi never did it. Like all those incredible champions, yeah, Brooke, McEnroe, Connors, all those people. Like you had a couple of people that got close, but to actually pull it off. It would be next level. The Olympics, that's only um, three set, best of three sets, isn't it? So do you think that might disadvantage Djokovic a little bit? He seems to do very well over these longer set matches, doesn't he? Or do you think that won't even matter? He'll change his game a little bit because, as you said, he when you're in best of five, you've kind of got, you've almost got time a little bit where you don't get in a best of three. The best of three, if you go behind and you have a bad set. Yeah, you've got room for error. You've got room for over all of a sudden. Yeah, there's like margin for error in, in best of five sets, isn't there? But best of three, as you see a lot in the women's game, once once the first set's been won, I'd say eight times out of ten, uh, that player goes on to to win the next set and, and the match. Pretty much. Yeah, it, it's, it's more so what tends to happen is less time. You can't make as many mistakes, which like in a in a way does help people against Djokovic but also it doesn't because it also means obviously you're against Djokovic who doesn't make a lot of mistakes and you now have less 
margin for error yourself. Right? But it does it does make it more interesting. Like we saw Berrettini and Draper take a set of Djokovic, so he is human. Just as much as it doesn't seem like it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and also the Olympics, I think. I don't. In tennis, no crowds. Murray. Will, yeah, though. there won't be any crowds, which actually might help Djokovic because he's so robotic in it, in his nature when he's on the court. Sometimes he just keeps going. So maybe without the people rallying behind someone, they'll be less up for it. Um, but it it also it depends who's going. I sometimes think that spurs him on more because it, it tends to agitate him sometimes that everyone rallies behind the other player. But I mean that's just because people like a like the underdog and they like you know they like their tennis to to last. They don't want to see somebody getting beaten too easily and for the match to be over quickly. I think that's that's a lot of the time why they rally. You know, behind his opponents, because you saw when when he when he was got close to winning, the crowd did start cheering for Djokovic a bit more. People do like Djokovic. I know he's got this reputation, and he's said and he's done some silly things sometimes. But look, we shouldn't really hold tennis players to a standard when it comes to things like vaccines or whatever. Like whatever, he's he's still one of the greatest of all times. But yeah, he's not as loved as Roger Federer or Nadal. But I I think. Like to kind of begin to segue over to the women's side of it, it, sometimes it is just a little bit of that. He is most of the time just smashing people. <laughs> so, and as we saw in the Wimbledon final, uh, on the women's side, Ashley Barty, she absolutely coasted through that first set. So people got behind Pliskova because they wanted to see a competitive final. Yeah, but um, I mean, Pliskova had been brilliant um, up until the final. But as McEnroe said, she just. She seemed to be so nervous and wasn't moving very, um, very freely, was she? At the in the opening set, whether uh, the occasion just got too much for her. And on commentary, they also said her last final, she lost both sets six love, and they were starting to worry they were going to get a repeat of that. But fortunately, she dug in. She did, yeah. And it's a little bit the same of what happened in the men's final when, um, uh, when she kind of. Uh, so when Berrettini went five one two down, everyone kind of feared the worst. But he kind of dug it back, whereas Pliskova did that much later because she won the second set. And yeah, she did dig in. She actually played a really good final, I thought, and she did start off nervous, which like, I can only imagine mm. what if you can only daydream what, what it feels like to walk on centre court of Wimbledon on finals day as one of the people competing in it, and like the nerves must be unbelievable and. You're up against the world number one, who's kind of who who knows what it takes to win a Grand Slam. I know she's only won one other one, but I guess she's also won a doubles one. I think uh, so. She's been there, done it, and she. I think Barty handled the expectation amazingly. Yeah, she um, played probably some of the best tennis of her career for for me, and uh, I, I thought Kerb, as I said to you. Before the you know the the semi-finals, I thought because she was a former champion, I, I fancied Kerber to win it, but she she beat Kerber quite handily as well. Yeah, and it was good to see um, it's good to see Kerber back at that level. She's mm. coming in at the, at, as the twenty fifth seed. It's kind of a, I guess a different uh, Angelique Kerber uh, than than we've seen before. But yeah, as you say, she has one she has one Wimbledon, and she won Wimbledon doing 
something that not a lot of people have done before, which is beat Serena Williams mm. at Wimbledon on grass, which it's such a shame that what happened to Serena, she obviously was one of the victims of the slippery court and actually injured herself to the extent that she couldn't carry on, uh, which sucked because she was looking like she was going to have a good run at this tournament. But yeah, all, still all more power to Kerber to to make it to another semi-final. Hopefully, again, she's someone that we see back next year. Yeah, Rob could have been robbed of a a big match there, uh, Williams versus Barty. That would have been uh, some match. It really would have. And laughing on Kerber, I hope she does. She manages to sustain this level and kind of build on it. Like I know she's coming into kind of mid 30s now but she's had some career and there's only that french open missing from her set um of grand of grand slams and she's not necessarily done amazingly at the french open compared to her standard i think she's only ever reached the quarterfinals um but she she's won australia she won wimbledon she won the us open to get one of all four would be real something so hopefully she could pull that off uh but yeah she did get a little bit brushed aside by ash barty who justifies our number one in a world position. People have been questioning that um, because of a lack of kind of major titles, but like no one can question it now. She's there by right. Yeah, 100%. She's um, had a fantastic uh, tournament. Yeah, she really has. And uh, yeah, someone else that we need to give shout to. We mentioned Serena. I think we need to mention Venus as well. It's uh, coming in now. Uh, I think she's forty-one. Yeah, same age as me. Yeah, and she, so, she picked up a win in three sets in in the in the opening round, and she's played ninety odd Grand Slam tournaments now, which is crazy. I know. Like, and she's someone that doesn't really get the respect that that she deserves. I know she's kind of. She, everyone talks about Serena, but I mean, we're talking about a five-time Wimbledon champion, a seven-time Grand Slam champion in singles. Before you mention all the doubles titles that that, that she's got, that don't even go counting. Um, so she's got six doubles titles, which means she's an eleven-time Wimbledon champion. Yeah, she's she's almost all, almost been in the shadow of her younger sister, hasn't she? Yeah. Venus, unfortunately, but yeah, she's a terrific player, and you know it's no mean feat winning tennis matches at forty-one. I mean, it's hard enough getting up the stairs. Yeah, <laughs> it is, and hopefully, I don't know what Venus Williams' plans are, but some of the decisions made by this tournament was strange. Like she's a five-time champion, and she was stuck out on some stupid court. Um, I think she was on that court three or four, like behind some a match behind some matches that didn't really necessarily need that centre court crowd. Whereas someone like Venus Williams deserves it, and yeah, she does go. Mm. Look, she's not Serena, um, but she's still one of the greatest women's players of all time. Tennis royalty, definitely, a hundred percent. So let's start putting some respect on her name a little bit Wimbledon and hopefully she will be back next year I'd like to see her back again for I don't know how long she wants to play for if she's still winning matches she can play as long as she wants but let's give her a little bit more respect but uh, she did go down in the second round to to uh, Jabir who is a Tunisian player and actually uh, quite quite interesting she's the first uh, I think it's Middle Eastern to win a match at Wimbledon 
yeah, it's um, some stories. She did quite well, didn't she, as well? Okay, so she's the first uh, Arab woman to to win a match uh, at Wimbledon. And the first woman representing an African country since Cara Black from Zimbabwe oh, wow. uh, to reach the third round at Wimbledon. It's great to see um, players from different countries, you know, getting further in the tournament and hopefully that will inspire other people from their nationalities to to take up the sport and you know maybe go a step or two further yeah she won she won uh the birmingham classic in the build-up to also set sets uh to set a record as well being the the uh, first tunisian lady to win uh a title the first arab woman to win a title on the wta tour as well and she would end up uh, actually reaching the quarterfinals, so that's pretty yeah, pretty really impressive. impressive. Yeah, and it took Sabalenka to stop her, the number two seed coming into this tournament. My tip to win it, but it didn't quite pan out that way. Thanks to thanks to Pliskova. Uh, so thank you for that. Yeah, that was a that was another really good match actually. And that's, you know, I've, I thought Pliskova was going to give Ash Barty a, a you know a real tough match. I mean, the second set was a a, a proper match, but I don't know, it did, didn't quite get there, did she, somehow in the final, bless her. She didn't quite reach the same level it took to beat Sabalenka, and Sabalenka was coming in on some great form. Mm. She's number, number three in the world now, uh, as of today at time of recording. She's, for those that don't know who she is, she's, uh, she's won two Grand Slam doubles titles, the Australian Open this year and the US Open in 2019. Uh, she's really turned it on in the singles, though, and she's having a great time uh, at the moment. She, semi-final of Wimbledon is the furthest she's made it in a Grand Slam, and I did think, I don't know, I just had a feeling about that she was going to be, she was going to be able to do it. She, she, a huge serve, yeah, uh, very powerful, isn't she? Very immense powerful. ground stroke. She just hits through people, and uh, she's she's coached by Dmitry Tursunov, who's uh, for who is a uh, Russian player who was kind of the same, very fiery, big serve, would just hit through people. And he had a great career uh, as well. He was top 20 at one time. So she she's definitely one to look out for, to keep going. She's only 23. And, yeah, she's she's having a great... She had a great run to the semifinals, but but it was, it was just always going to be Ash Barty, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it looks that way. Yeah, she's she always a bit like I was talking about Djokovic. She always seemed to have, have another level to go up to, and she needed it in this tournament. She did, and as I said, there's been questions about her. I guess legitimacy is the right word. I don't know if it is the right word or not. There's been some questions about uh, kind of should she her being number one? Is it just because no one else is really getting that consistency? Because obviously, yes, Barty wasn't wasn't winning Grand Slams or anything like that. Uh, but someone that I do that we do have to mention is Carla Suarez Navarro. Uh, she got in on as a protective ranking to play the first round. She also played at the uh, at the French Open as well. But unfortunately, uh, she she got cancer at some point uh, a few years ago. She had to kind of go into semi retirement. Uh, but in April of this year, she announced that it was in complete remission. And uh, she was back at the French Open, playing at the highest standard of them all. Uh, she was back on centre court at Wimbledon to play the world number one. 
uh, took it to three sets as well. And uh, she's going to be playing the US Open this year as well before uh, before actually retiring. So I think that has to be one of the the best kind of sporting yeah. moments of this year. And to, to see her back on the court at, at her best, pushing the world number one all the way in kind of her final Wimbledon appearances is something special and it's a good send off for from Wimbledon. Yeah. Great to see her great to see her back and uh, healthy. Yeah, that's the obviously the health is the most important thing. And uh she she's always been a good player. She was former world number six. She's won eight titles in her career. She's always been a bit of a tricky player with a nice with a big one handed backhand uh from there and and yeah, she's she's going out her way. Uh, which is what you always hope to do in your career, isn't it? Definitely. Uh, right, on to the British interest, I think. No Johanna Conta because Wimbledon is stupid. And uh, But out of, the, out of the shadows comes Emma Raducanu. What, yeah. what do you even say? I don't know. It's just like, <laughs> I watched, I think it was the second match. I watched the, the, the second set because... Um, I just got got in from a walk, turned to telly and see what see you know he was playing on the TV, saw that she was British, so I thought I'd come watch this, and she's playing so well, and I was thinking, is you know, is there someone I should have heard of? I mean, she's playing tremendous, but as it turned out, not many people had heard of her. No, I'd never heard of her. Uh, I know she'd hit with Andy Murray at some point, like last year. But I didn't know anything about her uh, of any worth. But she comes into the first round as a wild card, as a world number 300 and something. 38, I think it was. Yeah. And just cleans house, wins the first set against uh, Diachenko on a tie break, wins the second set to love. Yeah, and you think mad. It, just good. mad, that is. You're like, oh, good for her. We got a bit, we got, got a nice, talented youngster coming through. Let's see how she gets on, goes into the second round. Uh, against uh, Von Drusova. <laughs> Sorry if I've butchered that. And wins it 6 2 6 4. And you're thinking, bloody hell, go her. <laughs> so she then comes up against Cersty, who had just beaten uh, Victoria Azarenka, who to any tennis fans will know is a formidable player, and pulls it off in straight set 6 3 7 5. Yeah, I mean that was you know I thought you know she had a nice she's had a nice couple of victories, but I couldn't see her winning winning that one in the third round. But yeah, I mean to win the first set six three and then seven five. I mean she just plays some fantastic shots as well. She she's so, so athletic, running all over the court. Yeah, she's she's only eighteen, so she's got just youthful energy on her side, and yeah, she absolutely. Absolutely kind of dominating from the back of the court. She's powerful. She's now 179 uh, in the world after a fourth round run. Uh, she did end up going down in the fourth round uh, four and then having to retire free love down in the second against Alja Tom, Tomoljanovic. And uh, yes. oh, these, Eastern, these kind of Eastern European names are really doing me in. Oh, no. <laughs> Who's, um, she's Berrettini's girlfriend, isn't she? I think. She is, yeah. And uh, she is. She does represent Australia, but originally mm. from Croatia. And uh, yeah, she's she's a good she's a good player. She's won four ITF titles, which is kind of a step below the WTA. 
and uh, she's looking like she's going to be a really good, really good player for the future as well. I mean, she's twenty, she's twenty eight herself, but still got kind of some good years ahead of her. But back to Raducanu, uh, the occasion obviously got a bit too much for her, as I we can't even pretend to know the pressure of playing at Wimbledon, not to mention on, on oh, I think the match is on court number one. Yeah, which is a huge for those who don't know. It's another stadium court. It's a it's a proper big stadium, so the occasion got too much for her, but she's going to be back. Yeah, I mean, fair to she was on court one in the third round, and she seemed quite at home there. But again, she wasn't expected to. There's still no expectation on her at that point. No one expected her to win, but then all of a sudden, she's beaten um, you know, a 54 seed, someone who's actually really good, and everyone starts getting their hopes up a little bit, and she's on last on court one and yeah and things aren't quite going her way and yeah bless her but it's a lonely sport though isn't it tennis and I wanted to ask you do do you think coaches should be allowed on the court with them I mean in other sports I mean the coaches can do something they can affect the match like in football you can make subs you can stand in your little um, manager's box and shout instructions but in tennis you, you you're all on your own, but it's not going your way. You've got to figure out those answers yourself, haven't you? Um, I'm on the opinion. I don't like. I don't. Wouldn't really like it if the coaches were coming on court and giving advice. I know they do think on the get w- in the way. TA court. Yeah, I think it's just going to open the door to just a little bit to to shenanigans and stuff like that. And like, I think I prefer the the sport in the same way that most kind of. As uh, single person sports are, I know there's doubles as well, but just talk about the singles for a second. That I prefer it where you make your game plan, you go out there, yeah. and you try and execute. Like I wouldn't mind if you would, if we, if people were more flexible with what the coaches can say from the box, but because there is also the rule that they can't do any quote unquote mm. coaching from the box. I wouldn't mind if they they went a bit more lenient on that. And let the coaches kind of make some points from the stand if they felt comfortable doing that. But I, I much myself prefer it just as the just as the thing of just being like, just make your game plan, go out there and try and execute. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But um, yeah, at some point it's got you've done your practice, you've done your coaching. Yeah, it's time to go out there and compete. And yeah, she's gonna she's gonna be bad. There's been some people saying we stupid things about her and she's only 18 bless her and uh she's done absolutely incredible to reach this far and she she's going to be back and she's going to be a big name in this sport judging by the way she played this tournament yeah definitely and uh she's got a great coach as well in uh Nigel Sears which uh is Andy Murray's father-in-law yes he is indeed, and other British interests to talk about. I think Katie Bolter. Yeah, she uh, had a fantastic well. match, didn't she? Yeah, she played really well, and uh, to get first win at Wimbledon, she's had kind of injury problems herself, and to get through there, she's she's big and powerful. She's very tall, very athletic, mm. and um, she took Sabalenka all the way as well. She took her to three sets uh, in the second round as a wild card. I think that's something to try and build on, obviously. Uh, from there, she did really well to get a win at Wimbledon, but hopefully she can build on that and try and get some consistency on the tour and come back. Come back. I'd like to see some of these people come back and not need wild cards to get in. That's obviously yeah. the hope. 
let's start getting in by right. Yeah, yeah, work hard and yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think now the story of Wimbledon two years ago, because there wasn't one last Wimbledon, was obviously Coco Goff. And uh, she was only 15. That's just crazy. She's she's someone I can see sort of breaking out and dominating in four or five years' time because she's still so young and she's that good already. It's crazy. It is crazy. Now, you might, for those that don't necessarily watch all the time, you might remember from two years ago, I said when she was 15. And could barely she, do my shoelaces at 15, let alone yeah. win tennis, but yeah, playing tennis tournaments. And she reached the she reached the fourth round of Wimbledon as a 15-year-old. No tournament last year, but this year as a 17-year-old, repeating that, making it to the fourth round, uh, only going down to to Angelica Kerber uh, in the fourth. But to repeat what she did, coming as a seeded player this time, so pressure was on. Mm this time obviously uh, two years ago people didn't really expect to to get far and much in the same way exact conversation we just had about Emma Raducanu came out of nowhere no one expected her makes it to the fourth round and that was kind of the door but she's repeated that success um, and she's now the 23rd ranked player in the world at 17. Christ (laughs) mad isn't it? it really is it is absolutely mad it's and yeah so uh, well done, sir. But it's been, it was a good Wimbledon. Uh, have you got anyone else you want to speak about? No, I think that's pretty covered all the, all the main sort of players I, I wanted to, to talk about, to be honest. Yeah. So, well done, sir. I will just run through uh, some, of the, some of the other ones. The, the men's double was uh, won by, unsurprisingly, some Eastern Europeans, <laughs> Nikola Metic <laughs> and Mate Pavic. Uh, they went on to do it. Uh, to do that very well. The women's doubles was run by, oh, got to go all the way to Asia now, Hai Su Wei, hopefully I've said that right, and Elise Mertens. Uh, so there we go. Well done for that. And the mixed doubles, finally, a British player lifts the title, Neil Skupski, and his part of the American Desiree. One more for me, Krav Whiskey, <laughs> who actually beat. <laughs> Joe Salisbury and Harriet Dart, two British players in the final. Uh, So we were all over that one. Yeah, yeah, we were guaranteed a victory in that final. We really were. We really, really were. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of Wimbledon 2021 uh, covered for for certainly the singles parts. Uh, Maybe we'll be back to do this for the US Open. Yeah, hopefully so. I think, you know, it was great to have Wimbledon back this year and I thought it was a fantastic tournament, to be honest. Yeah, I did as well. And last thing I will say um, for, for Wimbledon, the wheelchair men's singles was won by Joachim Gellard of Belgium, beating Gordon Reid, another British player, uh, in the final. The wheelchair women, uh, women's won by Didi De Kroot of the Netherlands. And the wheelchair quad singles was won by Dylan Alcott as well. And I'll get the doubles results up whilst I'm sat here and, and give those a little read. Why not? Why not? Yeah, whilst we're here. Alfie Hewitt and Gordon Reed of Britain won the wheelchair men's doubles. The wheelchair women's doubles was won by Yui Kam- Kamiji and Jordan Wiley of Britain and Japan, respectively, and the wheelchair quad doubles won by Andy Lapthorne and David Wagner 
Uh, Andy is from Britain. David, America. So there we go. Well done. You watched first wheelchair tennis? Did you watch any of it? Uh, I didn't, to be honest. Watched a little not, bit. It's pretty crazy through, how quickly yeah. they can get they get around. I the mean, court. it's mad. I mean, I've seen I've seen highlights and clips, and it's not through a lack of interest or anything that I don't watch it. It's just I never seem to catch it when it's on for some bizarre reason. But yeah, when I when I watch the highlights, it's just amazing to watch them go. It, it is. And hopefully this has been amazing to listen to as you go, wherever you're going, listening to this. Uh, you can find the rest of Rogue Opinions and all the rest of the podcast at Rogue underscore Opinions. You can find me at Nathan Greenaway. If you want to hear me talk about any uh, sport or football, you can find me on Plus Added Time, which is on Project Dits. It's at Project D-I-T-S. Carl, where can the good people find you and what have you got going on? You can find me at uh, Carlos underscore Flyer80 on Twitter and Instagram. And yeah, you can catch me on Road Chronicles with Liam, where we talk about uh, villains. You can catch me uh, on the newly dubbed podcast Podding Ain't Easy with um, Scott McLeod, uh, where we will be um, talking about other uh, all sorts of Disney Plus series and more Star Wars. We obviously we do the Mandalorian, or we've done the Mandalorian part now. We've covered all current episodes of that, so yeah, make sure you check those out. And now we're going on to uh, other things. We might be branching out into the Loki series, possibly the Bad Batch. Uh, we're going to be doing a, a li- listing our uh, favorite Star Wars. Um, films and programs in from best to, well from worst to best that pod will be coming out hopefully in a week or two so keep an eye out for that and if you want to know a little bit more about Emma Raducanu I did a nice little article up on our website at uh, rogueopinions.wordpress.com so make sure you check that out there's links uh, to it on our Twitter feed so uh, yeah yeah, that's that's great. I can't wait for to have more Star Wars. Definitely. The worst Star Wars is all the Star Wars. That's How dare list. you? <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, thank you very much. Um, enjoy the Olympics. No matter the fact there's no crowd, I think that's my last <laughs> thing to say on here. Enjoy it. It's still going to be a great occasion. And we'll be back soon. Thank you very much. Bye now. Bye.